Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to Today in Sports Betting for Friday, February 25th, 2022. I'm your host, Doug Reed. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at Doug underscore Reed 34. This is a sports ethos presentation, as always, and there's a few Twitter accounts. If you're not already, a couple Twitter accounts if you're not already following, uh, I highly recommend. One is Ethos Wagering, E-T-H-O-S Wagering. Gives you, give you some updates through the day. Um... When we post some picks, some free plays, good. If you're into some uh, sports wagering, good um, Twitter account to follow. Also, if you're a fantasy basketball player, as I am, and your season's wrapping up, hitting the playoffs, vital to get uh, quick, uh, timely information. And if you follow us at Ethos Fantasy BK for basketball on Twitter, you'll get that. Literally throughout the day, you're constantly getting updates. If you're in a league with daily moves. Uh, it's great to be able to know midday who's starting, who's not, uh, if injuries occur, so you can beat your t- your uh, opponents to the, the waiver wire. Follow us at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed out there. You can get all the news in one handy feed, faster than the competition, and provides more analysis too. Again, Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to start today with a quick recap before we get into our Friday strategy session. Had a very good day yesterday uh, in the NBA. Uh, I was one to know. Had Chicago minus three uh, over Atlanta. They won that. Um, what did they win that one? They won, that was pretty close. They won it by four actually. Uh, it was tight right to the end. So got the get the best number there. I don't think that ever got up to minus four during the day. Um, but again, as I've said many times, shop around for your best lines, and I was fortunate to get a good line yesterday, so cash that one. In college, I went six and two. I was on Delaware minus four against Charleston, didn't hit that, and Florida Atlantic plus one at Old Dominion. Wasn't even close to that one. Uh, but then the rest of the games, I did fairly well. Youngstown State at Wright State, I had over 145 and a half, hit that. DePaul minus two at Georgetown, that was a lot tighter than I thought, came right down to the end, uh, but DePaul pulled out that victory. South Dakota State at Oral Roberts, um, the Jackrabbits, which I think are going to be a very fun team to watch, assuming they make the tournament. Um, they were three and a half point favorites. They won that one by four. So again, getting your best line. I mean, I won that by half a point. Could have been a push, um, but won that one at minus three and a half. And then finally, Murray State, I had at minus three. They were hosting Belmont, and they won that one in a Sorry, that was my second last one. They won that one in a walk. Uh, third last one, actually. Sorry. 
Um, I thought that was going to be a close game, actually. I was really surprised. I mean, Murray State is clearly the class of the Ohio Valley, but Belmont's in second. And that game wasn't even close. So, uh, be a couple teams I'll be talking about in the strategy session as well, but happy with that one. Then Ohio State went into Illinois. Ohio State was plus seven, and they ended up, ended up beating Illinois and beat them quite easy. That was a bit of a surprise. Ohio State seeming to peak at the right time. Um, and then a late night game, I had Portland on the money line over Pacific. I got a plus 105 money line, so I cashed that one. So, all in all, I was seven and two plus. 4.85 units, so happy with the night for sure. Uh, tonight's a little quieter on the boards. So I'm going to hit on a few games, but first I'm going to get in the strategy session, which I was doing Friday. And as we roll into the close to the month of March, what I thought I would do is I would explain a little bit more about how NCAA basketball conference tournaments work and how you punch your ticket to the big dance or how you get to uh, the final NCAA tournament, the field of 68. So a lot of people follow it. A lot of people love the office pools. In the next couple strategy sessions, I'm going to touch on that. In the one right before March Madness, I'm going to get my strategies on how to actually make your picks and not necessarily. I will go over some. Well, I won't go over some picks because they won't be on that on that strategy session. But uh, more some strategies and how to go in um, uh, NCAA March Madness brackets. But for today, I'm uh, just going to explain how conference tournaments work and how more so how uh, the actual final field of 68 is selected. So there are um, 32 conferences in college basketball in the States, and they're all building up to get to the tournament of 68 teams. So all these conferences before the turn of the calendar year, so in from October, November, December, they play games, which are called non-conference games against teams outside their own conference. Basically as of Jan 1 till about March, Uh, They play almost exclusively just teams in their own conference. So oftentimes you'll see standings uh, for a team. You'll see a team is, you know, let's say Duke is 20 and 8 overall. And then you'll see right after that, it'll show they're they're 12 and 1, which means they're 20 and 8 overall. But in the ACC tournament, just against, pardon me, conference, just against ACC teams this year, they're 12 and 1. And why that's important is because that's for the rankings for their conference tournament. So right about this time of the year, their season's starting to wrap up. Some of the smaller conferences wrap up this weekend. Their tournaments start next week. The mid-majors and the larger tournaments, uh, larger conferences start the following week. And it's basically a three to five day tournament. Well, they take, uh, all the conferences do it differently, but you may have a 10 team conference. They just take the top eight teams. So nine and 10 don't make the conference tournament. The top eight play in a basically an eight team bracket, single elimination, you get a champion. So all 32 teams play various style of tournament and the winners of those tournaments get what's called an automatic bid or an auto bid to the NCAA uh, March Madness tournament. So this goes from, you know, the big six, the ACC, the big 12, the big 10, the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big East uh, to some more of the, um, the mid-majors such as the, uh, the West Coast Conference, the American, the Atlantic 10. Uh, they all have their tournaments and they all have one winner who gets the automatic bid. So that's 32 of the 68 teams. If you win your conference tournament, no matter what you did in the regular season and conference play, no matter what you did overall, you are automatically in the tournament. So that means there's 36 more teams that have to be selected. And those 36 teams are called, they get at large bids. And that's basically, uh, you'll hear a lot of talk if you're following college basketball about the, um, the committee the uh, tournament committee and it's basically a few handful of um, athletic directors of various schools uh, that are elected and they analyze 
all done through a lot of numbers, but they analyze the team schedules, what they've done against each other, how they all rank, and they pick the 36 best, next best teams. So um, those 36 teams are added to the 32 that won their conference tournaments, and you have 68 teams. Now, obviously, 68 teams does not make for a perfect bracket, and I'll explain that in a second. Um, but these tournaments, again, they start next week. The first one off is the Ohio Valley. That starts uh, next Wednesday, March 2nd. It runs March 2nd to March 5th. So on Saturday, March 5th, there'll be a team that will win the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. They automatically qualify um, for the main tournament. Uh, the last tournament that runs is usually the Big Ten, and it runs March 9th to the 13th. So, so the following week from Wednesday to Sunday. When I say the last, their game, their final championship game usually is Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Game's over by 5. And then 6 p.m. on Sunday, March 13th is the selection show. It's on CBS uh, every year. Uh, They make the big deal of it. It's an hour-long show. And they announce all the teams that qualify. So everybody knows by then who the 32 conference winners are, but nobody knows who the 36 at-large bids are until they're announced on Selection Sunday. So again, the Big Ten tournament ends, but an hour later they have the show and they announce all the um, all the teams that get in. So how do they figure out who these at-large bids are? They have a ranking system. Uh, a handful of years ago, they went to a quad system. So uh, uh, it's an analytical tool, but they rank every win that a team has against another team. Is it a quad one team, a quad two, a quad three, a quad four? Quad one being best, quad four being the worst. So, for example, a quad one win is a home game against teams that were ranked number one to 30 or a neutral game versus a top 50 team that you won or a road game against a top 75 team. So if you win any of those, if you beat a home team, if you're at home and you win against a team ranked in the top 30, that's a quad one win. If you're if it's a neutral site game against a team ranked in the top 50 that you win, that's a quad one win. If it's a road game against a team in the top 75, that's a quad one win. Quad two, if you win a home game against teams ranked 31 to 75, if you win a neutral site game against teams ranked 51 to 100, and if you win a road game against teams 76 to 35, and then obviously quad three and quad four. So, you know, you could compare two teams that have similar records. Let's say uh, at the end of the season in conference, they're both 10 and six. Fairly similar records. They didn't win their conference championship. How do you compare these teams and what they did? They'll look at how the, the first team may be 10 and 6, but they may have four quad one wins and two quad two wins. Uh, and against you know quad one and quad two, let's say they're six and two. The second team may only have two wins against quad one and quad two and four losses. So they might be two and four. So the six and two against quad one and two versus the team that's two and four against quad one and two. Obviously, the first team has a better record. Now, it's not that simple. By any means, it's not that simple, but that's a lot. That's a good chunk of the analysis that goes into it. So how do they determine these other 36 teams? The majority of these teams, and there's not an exact number, but the majority of these teams still come from the big six conferences. So again, the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, Pac-12, SEC, and Big East. So for example, in the ACC, which is a down season this year, but traditionally one of the strongest conferences, Duke is basically a lock. So they're in for sure if they win their conference tournament or not. So if they get upset in the conference tournament, they're still going in no matter what. Uh, the teams that right now probably will be in uh, are Wake Forest and Notre Dame. So the ACC should have three teams pretty much uh, for sure. And then the ones that need to still do some work uh, if they 
in the next 10 days. They pull, they'll have a game this weekend, then two next weekend. Most teams have three games left in the ACC. You know, if they win a couple of big ones, let's say that some, one of these teams goes to Duke and wins or goes to Notre Dame and wins, um, or they make a run in the ACC tournament, one of these teams, let's say they knock off Duke in the semis, they will knock off Notre Dame in the finals and they're the champ. Well, then they go automatically. But maybe they knock off Duke, they get to the finals against Notre Dame and lose. Well, they still have a really good quad one win against Duke uh, and they'd have a quad one loss against Notre Dame probably uh, on their record. But these teams are Miami, uh, North Carolina and Virginia. So Duke will have, or pardon me, the ACC will have Duke for sure, probably Wake Forest and probably Notre Dame. So probably three teams in the tournament. One auto bid and two at-large bids. They may get six, Miami, UNC and Virginia. I'm going to bet on maybe, they probably have four. I don't see th- all three of those teams making it, maybe just one of them. So the ACC would have four teams to go. What everybody uh, thinks is probably the best, the deepest conference this year is the Big 12. The locks right now, according to all the analysts, uh, they have four teams guaranteed. Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Texas. So all those teams, I think, are ranked within the top 20 right now. So regardless of what they do uh, in the Big 12 tournament, those teams will all be in in, um, in March Madness. Uh, one that probably will be there is Iowa State. And then they've got four, uh, three teams that are kind of on the bubble, depending, again, what they do in the next 10 days in the tournament, is TCU, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. So the Big 12 could have the four locks already. Iowa State is five. They could have up to six to eight teams if TCU, Oklahoma, and K-State all qualify. Uh, the committee all qualifies them. They could have eight teams in there. Um, which is not unheard of for some of these big conferences. So the point is, though, if the, if, if the ACC were to put in, what did I say, maybe four teams, so they get their one auto bid who won the conference and they get three at-large bids. If the, if the Big 12 gets eight teams, they get their one auto bid and seven at-large bids. That's three from the ACC at-large bids, seven from the Big 12. That's 10 of the 36 um, at-large bids come from those two conferences. The Big Ten's the same. You know, Purdue's the favorite to win. Well, you still got Ohio State. You still got uh, Illinois. Michigan State is right now ranked in there. So there's three more. Michigan, if they get a couple wins, maybe Iowa gets in there. So my point is, of the 36 at-large bids, most of them come from the big conferences. Then you've got a few smaller ones, kind of the mid-majors. So the American Conference. Right now, Houston for sure is in. On the bubble, SMU and Memphis. Memphis has been playing really well. If they can get a good win or two in the next 10 days, Maybe get to the turn, you know, maybe they knock off Houston, which is a great quad one win for them in their conference tournament, but losing the finals, then they're probably in. So the American could get Houston for sure, and maybe SMU and Memphis. You know, the West Coast Conference has the best team in the country right now, Gonzaga. They're in for sure. St. Mary's is probably in. On the bubble for them, Santa Clara, San Fran, and BYU, depending on what they do um, between now and their tournament, and then now and then and then in the tournament. You know, the West Coast Conference, a lot of people think is an un- underrated conference. Gonzaga walks away with it, but they've got some good teams. So maybe they steal a couple of large bids. The Ohio Valley has Murray State. You know, As I said earlier, they blew up Belmont yesterday. but it, So they've won, and they're, that win, I think, locked them up for sure, no matter what they do in their conference tournament. But Belmont is now in the bubble. Moorhead State. Um, and all it takes is, you know, a Belmont to beat Moorhead State. Pardon me, Murray State in the conference tournament and win it. Well, Murray State's in, now Belmont's in. So there's two teams from the Ohio Valley. If somehow Gonzaga got knocked off uh, in the West Coast Conference, well, they're still in, St. Mary's still in, but maybe San Fran now qualifies. So they're getting another uh, uh, at-large bid. So my point is that 
The bigger conferences, the big six, and then the mid-majors tend to take up most of those 36 at-large bids. You get a lot of the smaller conferences, the Horizon, the SWAC, the Southland, the MEAC. The only way those those conferences are getting a team in is to win their tournament. They're not getting an at-large bid. Uh, it's just a function of the system. I mean, the bigger schools, the bigger leagues, uh, you know, even their sixth, seventh, eighth team are probably better than the teams in the MEAC, the Horizon, the SWAC, the Southland. So they qualify for the tournament as they should. So a fairly high level, quick overview. Doesn't make sense or you have any questions, send me a DM on Twitter. Uh, again, Doug underscore read three, four. With any questions, happy to talk about them on the show uh, or call it, clarify them if you want. So um, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I've explained how these work. So, so, so this is how they pick up the 68 teams. And they basically say, and here are the 68 best teams in the country. 30, 32 qualified automatically. Here's our next 36 best. Here's the 68 best teams. Now, how do they figure who's going to play who? And how do they do, uh, how do you work a 68 um, team tournament? Because it should be 64. So until about, I'm going to say about eight, seven, eight years ago, it was just 64 teams. And that tournament obviously works easy. A bunch of single elimination games through six rounds and you get a champion. But now they've got um, the first, what they call the first four. And what they do, so on Tuesday in Dayton, Ohio, Tuesday, which would be uh, March 15th, I think this year, uh, in Dayton, Ohio, they have four games. And what they do with that is they take the last four teams in. So of those 68 teams, who are the last four teams that qualified from at-large bids? I went on um, uh, one of the one of the analysts' sites to see who he had as the last four. Right now, for example, uh, I think it's Jerry Palm has, and uh, if you're looking for information, sorry, if you're looking for information on how this all works and what the teams are and where they rank now, there's two guys who are the the experts in this. One is Joe Lenardi, L-U, N-A-R-D-I. He works uh, through ESPN. He's kind of the the guru of bracketology or, or how the bracket works. Uh, just Google his name and check it out. And the other one's Jerry with a J Palm, P-A-L-M. Uh, he's also, he works with uh, CBS, I think. And they are incredibly accurate in their forecasting of the 68 teams. They seem to get, you know, two to four may be wrong, but they're fairly accurate. So I looked at Jerry Palm's site and he has the last four in. So the committee right now, if they were doing it, they would have uh, on Tuesday at Dayton, they take these last teams. It's actually the last eight in. It's at eight games, but the last four qualify for the tournament. He has Wake Forest would play Florida and Michigan would play Memphis. So those are the last four teams into the tournament, the at-large bids. And what they, those two teams, those four teams play off. The two winners then move to the actual big tournament. And 
they get a number 12 seed in the tournament. I'll explain how the seeding works in a second. Then you also have, also in Dayton, on the Wednesday, so they go so they go the Tuesday, it'll be Tuesday the 15th, and then Wednesday the 16th, they have um, the four lowest-ranked teams from the conference championships. So the teams that qualified, they won their conference tournament. Uh, these are always the small school, the small um, conferences. The four lowest-ranked teams of those, they play off. Um in two games and the two winners they move into the tournament as a 16 seed so right now jerry palm for example has cleveland state uh who he forecasts to win the horizon playing norfolk state who's going to win the MIAC. the other game would be southern which wins the uh swack versus nickel state which would win the southland so these four conferences one bid those teams win their conference tournament they play off against each other to qualify for the big dance so now all of a sudden you've got uh, the last four in, those four teams play off. Two of them advance to the tournament, and the first four um, of the of the number sixteen ranked teams play off to see who gets the number sixteen rank in the tournament. Then you have a field of sixty four. I hope that made sense. Uh, and the way it works is the first groups of the last four in, they get ranked as a number twelve in one of the four regions, and the first four teams the number 16 ranked teams, they get ranked as a number 16 in two of the four regions. So it's kind of funny because you, you qualify for the tournament. If you, you know, if Southern wins the SWAC and Nichols State wins the Southland, they play off against each other. And if they do win, they get the right to go and play basically at Arizona or Kansas. So one of the best teams in the country and probably get spanked. But nonetheless, they're in the tournament uh, and it's an exciting thing uh, to get there for sure. So what they do, once they've done that, once they've eliminated those, those extra four teams and they have their 64 teams set, um, they've divided the bracket into four regions. And it's always the same regions. A few years ago, they changed the names on them, but they went back to this. Uh, it's always the West, the South, the East, and the Midwest. And why they call them those is they take, of the 64 teams, they put 16 in each region. And they play single elimination tournaments until there's a winner of each region. And the final game, so the final two teams in each region when they're playing off, um, the first one, for example, the West, um, the game will be played somewhere in the West. So it's right now Gonzaga is in the Western region. Gonzaga is ranked, projected to be number one, Duke's number two. So in theory, Gonzaga and Duke will win their games till they play off. They win the West region. That team then goes to the final four. In the South right now, the projection is Arizona, number one, Baylor, number two. In the east is Kansas, number one, Kentucky, number two. And in the med Midwest, you have Auburn, number one, and Purdue, number two. So if everything works according to plan and all the number ones win through and all the number twos win through, which never happens, uh, you will get all those teams facing off in the regional final. They win those finals, then you have four teams left. So if Gonzaga beats Duke, Arizona beats Baylor, Kansas beats Kentucky, Auburn beats Purdue, those four teams move to the final weekend, which is the final four on the Saturday. Gonzaga would play Arizona, Kansas would play Auburn. Those two winning, those two teams win, and they play the national championship on the Monday night. So I hope I, I, I've done a very quick high-level overview, um, but I hope it made sense. It's important to realize what these conference tournaments are starting next week. As I said, with the Ohio Valley. So the regular season wraps up. They go into the conference tournaments. You're going to see some great games. Guarantee you there will be buzzer beaters, last minute, huge upsets. Exciting. Sometimes they're more exciting than the actual big tournament. 
um, because these kids are playing. And, and, and from a betting point of view, what's in, sorry, these kids are playing, you know, for their life. It's it could be their last game, not for their life, their sporting life. Uh, it could be their last game. They're putting everything on the line just for that chance to qualify to play in the big dance and be in a national televised uh, game in March Madness. From a betting point of view, what I think, and, I, and I'll get into this uh, more uh, as we get closer to the actual tournament. Uh, from a betting point of view, what's interesting is a lot of these games, I think, tend to go over or there's a lot of points scored. Because if you're down 10 with two minutes left in a regular season, you might just kind of say, you know what, um, probably not going to uh, probably not going to come back and, uh, you know, ride it out and move on to live another day. But now you can't. You've got to win. Even in the conference tournaments, they'll be doing everything they can. They'll be fouling with two minutes left. They'll be playing their stars. If their stars have four fouls, you know, in a game with 10 minutes left where they'd regularly take them out and rest. But if they're down 10 or 12 points, coach is going to say, you know, I've got to take the chance. I've got to play my star. So I think you're going to see more points. Uh, you're going to see higher scoring games. You're going to see a lot closer games because teams are, are not going to leave anything out there. They're going to give everything they got. They're going to foul. Uh, they're going to basically play right to the end no matter what. Um, so it should be interesting. It's, it's, it's a lot of excitement. I think this is the best tournament by far um, in sports. As much as I think the hardest championship to win is the, in the NHL and the Stanley Cup because of the, the the four rounds of hard playoff hockey in the NBA, four rounds of long playoff basketball is tough too. But as far as excitement, as far as upsets, as far as teams you don't know um, winning big games, this is by far the most exciting uh, time in sports to me is March Madness and the conference tournaments in advance. So hope you enjoyed that. Hope you learned a little. Again, I went through it pretty quickly. Uh, if I go back and re-listen, I'm sure there's a couple things I misstated or I, I stated an error. So by all means, send me a DM, as I said. Uh, ask me to clarify something. Uh, I can talk about it on the show. I can hit you back in DM. Um, happy to explain it more. Happy to talk about it more. I could talk about this stuff all day. And the lead up to it, there's always a team that doesn't make it. You know, Syracuse, for example, in the ACC, if they win a couple games, everybody will be all over why Syracuse should be in. I don't think they're going to make it. Selection Sunday, when they announce all the teams, there's always one or two schools that everybody's ticked off about that didn't make it and one or two that snuck in that people think shouldn't be there. But that's part of the fun of it. The analytics that go into it, the research, the thought, the committee uh, process, I think it's great. Uh, and I think it's a lot of fun, a lot of exciting. It is a fantastic few few weeks of, uh, of college basketball. So, hope you enjoyed that. Um, we will move on now to hitting the boards on a light Friday. Uh, in the NBA, we have six, uh, sorry, nine games. Not really, one kind of catches my eye, but nothing, uh, nothing really jumps out at me. We've got Houston traveling to Orlando. Um, Orlando finds themselves minus four at home, total 234. I've got the Magic as a slight favorite. More around two points, so I'm not really on this. I don't. I'm, I, if I had to pick a side, I would lean Orlando for sure. Um, I think they're the better team. They're at home, um, but they've been tough to handicap for me this year. OKC is uh, travels to Indiana. Uh, Oklahoma City played at home yesterday. They're on the second game of a back-to-back. Now on the road, they find themselves seven-point underdogs. Total two twenty-four. Uh, Indiana hopes to have Brogdon back. Duarte is questionable. Isaiah Jackson is probable. Um, I've got them in about a five-point favorite, so laying seven is a couple too many for me. Uh, and with Sabonis gone, I'm not really sure what this team is at this stage. No, I'm not really sure what OKC is either. So I would probably lean OKC to cover the seven points, but I like Indiana to win. Next game, Spurs travel to Washington. 
the Spurs on the road are three and a half point favorites. Total is 224. Washington obviously is missing Bradley Beal. Porzingis is out and Bryant is probable. Uh, not that he really adds a whole lot, to be honest with you. And that just adds to their three center rotation, which I think is the craziest thing. But regardless, I'm not the coach. Uh, so San Antonio is favored by three and a half. I'd be on the Spurs. My model's got them about two point favorite. Uh, it's still a little tight. San Antonio, to me, has been a tough team. The handicap as well. They're clearly the better team. Uh, but on the road, there's some question marks. So going to avoid that game. Toronto travels to Charlotte to play the Hornets. The Raptors find themselves two-point favorites on the road. Total 220.5. For the Raps, Ananobi is out. Freddie Van Vliet is questionable. If he is out, then I'm definitely on Charlotte here. Uh, For Charlotte, they have Hayward. uh, But they've really struggled going in the All-Star break. I think they're 1-9 in their last 10. And the Raptors are about 8-2. So, you know, when I first see this line, my model has Charlotte as about a six-point favorite. Um... That clearly doesn't. That clearly factors Hayward in, and it clearly doesn't factor the way the Raptors have been playing. They've been playing really, really good ball. Like you know, I think they're. I think uh, uh, being a Toronto guy, I was a little, obviously a little biased, but I think they could. They're a team that no one's really going to want to face in the playoffs. They sneak in. Hopefully, they can avoid the play-in round. Um, but if they get, even if they're in that, if they get through that, I don't think anyone's going to fa- want to face them because they've been playing really well lately. So, anyways, they're two-point favorites. Um, I would probably lean the Raps. They're just playing well, and Charlotte seems in a little bit disarray, um, but not on that one. Miami travels to New York to face the Knicks. Miami's a six-point favorite on the road, total 211 and a half. Uh, for Miami's fairly healthy. For New York, Barrett is out. Barrett no, in uh, New Orleans Noel, questionable. Sorry, Rose is out, obviously, and Kemba Walker is done by all accounts in New York. So is it the Isaiah, or is it the... Uh, Manuel Quigley show now. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on with their point guard rotation there um, with Rose out now. So tough to handicap the Knicks. Miami's clearly the better team. Laying six in the road, though. Um, as good as they are, as healthy as they are, that scares me a little bit. So I'm going to fade that game. Next game, which I think would be a really good game, is Philly traveling to Minnesota. Minnesota's on the second night of a home and uh, second night of two home games for them. Philly comes in on their first game off the All-Star break. Uh, the news here is Harden should be in for Philadelphia. Uh, word on the street is that he's playing. And Philly finds himself two and a half point uh, favorites, which is why, which is the reason why is with Harden there. Uh, 229 and a half is the total. Now, I like Minnesota. Uh, they won yesterday. Looked pretty solid doing it, beating Memphis. They came in as a one and a half point underdog at Memphis, one, or at home against Memphis, won 119, 114, so one by five. Uh, and I could see them doing that again here. I would probably lean Philly if I had to, uh, but uh, Minnesota at home is tough to go against. The one game I think I will be on is Dallas travels to Utah. Uh, Utah is five and a half point favorite, Dallas, a total of 218. Both teams fairly healthy. A few extra players are out, but none of the major players uh, are out. My model's got Utah about a seven and a half point favorite. So I'm actually, uh, I think I'm going to be on Utah laying five and a half points here against Dallas. And the next game sees New Orleans travel to Phoenix. Phoenix played last night on the road or at home tonight. New Orleans first game back from the All-Star break. The Suns are favored by six and a half, total 229 and a half. Chris Paul, unfortunately, is out for Phoenix for this season. Um, otherwise, I think this game probably would have been about a 9 or 10 point spread. So I think I like Phoenix here. Uh, I'm considering jumping on this one. Six and a half. 
it gets down to six or five and a half, I'd definitely be on it. Um, so I might take the Suns laying the six and a half points at home against New Orleans. The last game of the night is the Battle of LA. Uh, the Clippers don't go into because it's their home arena as well. But the Clippers are playing the Lakers. Lakers are two-point favorites, total of 220. Uh, for the Clips, obviously their big guys uh, are out, but uh, Powell is also out. And for the Lakers, Anthony Davis is out and James is questionable, which is kind of a permanent status with him. And all the drama going on with he's he's upset in L.A. and what's going on there, I don't really want to touch this game. I'd be on the Lakers. I'm debating it. Um, if he play, if he doesn't play, I'm, it's a fade for sure. But, he, but if he does, um, I'm inclined to be on the Lakers here, but not quite there yet. So I'm really only on Utah laying five and a half, and I might be on Phoenix laying six and a half. From there, we go to the NCAA. I'm just trying to pull up my screen here with the NCAA games. It's a pretty light night uh, in the NCAA. 17 games. A couple that caught my eye. No real big names, uh, top teams playing. The first one I do like, though, is Harvard is at Princeton, an Ivy League battle. Um, Princeton, 7.5-point favorite. What I'm on, though, is the total. It's 141.5. I'm actually on the over. Both these teams uh, are pretty good on offense. Effective field goal percentage, you have Princeton very good at number 10, 56%. Harvard's below average at 49.5. That's number 205 in the country. Uh, But I do like Princeton's ability to put the ball in the basket. And what I find interesting is the three-point shooting. Princeton's number 21 in the country, 37.7. Harvard is the 297th team defending, so they are not good defending the three ball. Princeton's good at it. And 40% of Princeton's points per game come from three-point shots. That's the 15th most in the country. So 40% of Princeton's points come from the three-point shot. They're the 21st best three-point shooting team in the country, and Harvard's the 297th team defending it. So there should be plenty of points to be had there. Um, Harvard is decent at three-point shot. What do they hit? 33.2%. And Princeton doesn't defend that very well either. They're the 200th team defending the uh, two-point shot. A three-point shot. In regards to the inside the arc, uh, Princeton hits 55.9%, which is the 18th best in the country. And again, Harvard does not defend it. 297th. I think it's 297. The 290s against it. So they're very weak defending that as well. Uh, in the flip side, Princeton doesn't defend that the shot inside the arc as either. Now, Harvard's only 193rd best two-point shooting team in the country, so below average. But nonetheless, the point is, Princeton's very good offense. Harvard's not good at defending. Um, and Princeton isn't great on defense. So the point is, I think there's a, there's a lot of points to be had. Um, the next game, uh, 7 p.m. in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the MAAC. Uh, Manhattan is plus five at Marist. And I think I'm going to be on Marist minus five, but I'm definitely on the total over 139. I'm actually going to be on both Marist minus five and a total over 139. And I was on these games. When I look at the analytical tools, I use the three. They were pretty much in line as well. Ken Palm has this as Marist minus eight, total 144. Torvik has a minus 7.8, total 144. Jeff Sagrin's right on the minus five, total 143. So they kind of align up with what I'm looking at. Uh, Maris comes in hotter. They've won five straight. Uh, they are 18 and nine uh, in conference. Sorry, eight and nine in conference. Manhattan's seven and nine. Um, but what's interesting is, well, these two teams played 
earlier, mid-January at Manhattan. And Manhattan actually won 72.66. So it was a total of 138. So that's right around that number. But Maris has been playing a lot better lately. And when you look at these two teams to the over this year, Manhattan is 17-6-1 to the over. And Maris is 15-10-1 to the over. So both teams have been playing a lot of overs. Uh, the three analytical tools I like the source line up with my my thoughts. So going to be on Maris minus five and the over of 139. And that's really the only games I'm on. There are a few other interesting games. Uh, St. Louis travels to Richmond. Richmond is a three-point favorite at home, total 142.5. I think I'd lean Richmond here just because they're the home team. Two fairly equal teams uh, having... Decent, but not great seasons. So I think I'd take the home spotters there. Um, later at night, later at night, uh, you get Iowa traveling to Nebraska in a, I wouldn't say an interesting Big Ten game because Iowa's a decent team, but Nebraska is not. Iowa is a 12 and a half point favorite at Nebraska. It's awfully hard for me to lay 12 and a half points, even with Nebraska. Uh, so I'd actually be in the Cornhuskers there, laying 12 and a half at home. Um, and then the late night action, you have San Jose State at San Diego State, which probably won't be much of a game. But San Diego State is favored by 21 points. Uh, again, they're the better team, obviously. I just have a hard time laying that many points. So if I had to, I might be on San Jose State catching 21 points on the road. So not a lot of action. Uh, I'm on the Princeton over. Like I said, I'm on the Maris minus five uh, and a total over 139. And then the NHL, there are six games. Now, the NHL has been crazy for... Um, Big money line plays in the last couple of weeks hitting. So I'm tempted to look at some of these a little closer. Columbus right now travels to Carolina. Columbus is plus 290 in the money line. Carolina minus 370. Carolina at home is hard to go against. Uh, Buffalo plus on the road at St. Louis plus 265. You can get the Blues at minus 330. Uh, you get the Devils who had a huge upset win over Carolina actually the other day. They're traveling to Chicago. This is basically a pick em. Both teams are at minus 110. I uh, wouldn't touch that game. I don't think there's any value in either of those lines. Winnipeg traveling to Colorado. You can get the Jets at plus 240, the home avalanche at minus 300. Um, you know, there could be some value at Winnipeg there, but Colorado's just such a good team. I wouldn't want to go against them. Uh, Vegas is on the road, minus 260 at Arizona, plus 215. There's definitely value here. Arizona has one at home and uh, before the All-Star break, they beat the Leafs at home, and I think they beat the Avalanche at home within about a week. So uh, at plus 215, there's probably some value there. Don't think they win, but there's got to be a decent chance, and then that kind of money, it's probably worth, it could be worth it. Uh, the last game of the night is the Kings on the road at Anaheim. Uh, the Kings find themselves minus 115, slight favorites over the Ducks at minus 105. Uh, with minus lines of both those teams can't uh, don't really want to touch that. So I think the value is taking the Coyotes at home at plus 215 and maybe the Jets on the road at plus 240 over the Avalanche. Um, Columbus at Carolina is a tough one. And Buffalo, I can't touch Buffalo at St. Louis. St. Louis is just a much better team. So some interesting games in the NHL. None that I'm on yet, uh, but we will see. So not a big slate of games, uh, not a lot of plays, but hopefully uh, some information you enjoyed and hopefully you enjoyed the strategy session as well. If you have any questions, like I said earlier, by all means, let me know. And uh, one thing, if you're into props, I don't talk a lot of props on here once in a while, I will, but I know a lot of people are getting into props. 
uh, I suggest you talk, check out one of our new partners, uh, Thrive Fantasy, T-H-R-I-V-E Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or go to thrivefantasy.com. When you sign up, use the code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to $100, plus two or four free game tickets. Pick player props in the biggest names, playing every night, score points when the props hit, and the players with the most points get a share of the nightly prize money. And if you need information on props, especially in basketball, check out our Ethos Sports Ethos DFS team. Great podcast, great information uh, on daily DFS for basketball, uh, and obviously get some props uh, ideas there. So again, check out thrivefantasy.com and use the code Ethos and sign up. Now, before I go, uh, quickly reminder about our partners at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off your order when you sign up. Use the code HOOPBALL20 for 20% off your order and free shipping. And then also, if you're looking for another uh, sports book to, uh, as I say all the time, everybody should have multiple sports books. Check out our buddies at mybookie.ag. Use the code HOOPBALL. Uh, when you sign up, it's on a third page. You can unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So hopefully you enjoyed your show, the show. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Hopefully uh, the strategy session on NCAA conference tournaments and how to punch your ticket to March Madness was informative. And hopefully you're looking forward to a big weekend of college basketball, lots of NBA and NHL games on slate as well. Hope everybody has a great night and we will chat with you soon. how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator